Welcome to the PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, degree qualified nutritionist. This podcast is a place to help show you how to reduce your PCOS symptoms. Getting diagnosed with PCOS can be super confusing. It typically comes with very little information about what the condition actually is and how to manage it long-term. In this podcast, we cover the keys to understanding what PCOS is, the best approaches to improving your PCOS, and of course, how to reduce your PCOS symptoms through non-medication-based approaches. If you've been recently diagnosed with PCOS or you've had PCOS for a long time and you're wondering, what the heck do I do now and what do I need to do to reduce my symptoms, this podcast exists to show you exactly that. If you have PCOS and you want a strategic approach to help you lose weight, banish acne, stabilize your cycles, and reduce anxiety-inducing hair growth, then I would love to invite you to register for my free PCOS Masterclass. In this Masterclass, I'm going to be breaking down my exact process that I use when I'm helping clients like you reduce and resolve their PCOS symptoms without medication. To get access to the Masterclass, all you need to do is head to the link in the show notes, or you can access it directly by going to selendouglas.com forward slash webinar hyphen registration hyphen EG, or you'll find that link in the show notes below. Today is powerful case study episode with one of my lovely PCOS clients, Rosie. What you will hear in this episode is how Rosie has gone from being diagnosed with PCOS and given metformin, the pill, the food pyramid, and told to just lose weight through to experiencing reduced hair loss, feeling clear on her PCOS diagnosis, having more energy, experiencing healthy weight loss, and great sleep too. As you'll hear in today's episode, Rosie has such an amazing attitude and I personally have loved working with her. I hope that this episode serves as proof that you absolutely can improve your PCOS symptoms and it's possible for you too. Hi, Rosie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Very exciting. So um, we are chatting today about your kind of journey with PCOS and yeah, I guess what it has been like over the last few months working together and, and and also kind of what it was like when you first found out. And I know we were um, chatting about this before, but one of the things I guess I really admire about your journey is just how open you've been and I think like curious and optimistic as well in adopting a lot of the um challenges and changes I've given you throughout the last few months, which, you know, it actually is quite rare to um, have that level of openness um, from a client. So it's it's been honestly really amazing to work with you. Um, but I think part of that um, openness and curiosity is also why you've kind of noticed changes um, so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'd love to start out if you could kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself, Rosie, um, and also maybe even take us back to when you first found out you had PCOS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm based in South Australia. Um, I think my initial 
I guess, started on the journey was really when um, I got to a point where I wanted to give my body a break from being on the birth control pill. I've been on it for about 10 something years and um, just needed to have a little bit of a break. So um, I took myself off with GP advice, those kind of things. Um, and then I started to notice that um, my period wasn't coming back, which, you know, it does happen when you come off the pill, but it had been quite a few months um, and there'd been some other symptoms as well that I'd been noticing. But the main one for me that started the ball rolling was that it'd been about six months between periods um, over, a, you know, a, a year and a bit of time. And I thought, that's probably not normal. So uh, I went off to see my doctor um, and, you know, got some information about that. Um, there were a couple of other symptoms that I was seeing as well. So um, there was a lot of hair loss. There was a lot of fatigue that I was having, a lot of gastro um, issues, a lot of bloating, not just not feeling very comfortable in my body. Um, so I went to the doctor and they did some tests um, got the diagnosis for, for polycystic ovary syndrome and basically was just given the food pyramid printout. Um, I was given metformin as uh, the prescription and also went back on the pill. So that was pretty much my starting journey. Just here's the diagnosis, here's what you should be eating in terms of the food pyramid, but no other advice about that. So I went away with that diagnosis knowing absolutely nothing. What am I going to do with that? Um, so that was really the start of, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is so common. Like I hear a lot, like I just got, you know, given the diagnosis and then, you know, nothing else really after that, maybe got like you, you know, handed that metformin or the the oral contraceptive pill. Um, and there's not, I think, a lot of that deeper education around what you can really be doing from a diet and lifestyle perspective. And like, what was your, what was your reaction, I guess, when you got that diagnosis? Were you shocked kind of what, what were you feeling? Yes, very shocked. Um, it came with also the advice to lose weight. So uh, the only advice in terms of the food was to eat oats for breakfast. So I was like, okay, I'll start, have that as a starting point. But it was quite shocking that there was nothing else really around it. Um, there's not a lot of information that you, that I was provided with. And so that was very overwhelming to start off with. Yeah, I bet. I de bet. Definitely. Oats, yeah, it's a unique um, <laughs> recommendation, very different to what I normally suggest. Um, cool. So you got that diagnosis kind of like mid last year. Mm -hmm. And what did you do after that? Did you kind of start researching on your own, you know, and, and kind of what were you kind of like piecing bits of information together? What were you sort of doing after that? Yeah, so I went straight into research mode. Um, yep. I got on the internet onto Dr. Google, started looking up what polycystic ovary syndrome was and what the kind of common methods for you know, tackling that and approaching that was. And that, I think, was the most overwhelming thing that I possibly could have done because there's so much information and it's all conflicting. There's these diets that, that you get recommended. There's this type of food that you can eat. There's these supplements that you can take. And everything is kind of mixed and people get good results from something, but then other people have really terrible results from it. So the, I think the information overload was just so overwhelming for me. Um, so then I started looking at social media. I really wanted to kind of focus, okay, if it's going to be something to do with my diet, I would like some help with that yeah. because what I'm doing at the moment is not really helping myself. So I need some help with that. Um, and then I started looking at nutritionists on, on social media and they, you popped up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They just came onto my feed. I was really interested in the information that you were sharing on your page, had a look through and you were offering uh, a group 
situation and also one-on-one. So yeah, I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna Just reach out and see if I can get some help. Yeah. <laughs> um, were you part of any like PCOS groups and things like that as well? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so on Facebook, I joined a couple, um, but that was the same kind of thing. People. Yeah just reaching out for advice and getting mixed messages and lots of people saying exactly the same thing but not actually pinpointing things. So that was a bit overwhelming as well. Um, A lot of it for me, um, I'm not really doing this for fertility reasons as well. So I'm a child-free person. So um, a lot of the the groups were about, you know, having trying for a baby and and looking at the fertility. So it wasn't really what I was leading to. Yeah, I just wanted to fix my health rather than for that, even though that's an incredibly important thing for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. But, of course, there's so much more to PCOS and the symptoms that, you know, come along with it other than having a baby. Of course, that's a goal for some people but not for everyone. Um, And did you, I'm curious, before we started to work together, like did you try any any of the things that you were coming across or were you kind of just too overwhelmed to to start yeah so a couple of of the fad kind of diets yeah <laughs> I tried um I did the whole 30 diet for a yeah. while um which is very restrictive I did see a bit of improvement with that but it was way too restrictive for yeah. my lifestyle um I was on a gluten-free diet as well mm-hmm. um that, now that I know a lot more information about things it was a lot of just replacing the carbs that I was eating with with gluten-free yeah. versions of that. So I was still eating those those sweet things that really weren't helping me. Um, and I was really lost because I think the only thing that I really was looking at was maybe the Mediterranean type of diet or even intermittent fasting as well, but I didn't really know how to do that or how that might be helpful. Yes, definitely. And, you know, fasting can be obviously really helpful, but I tend to find with PCOS it's not the best thing to do. Um yeah, for a variety of reasons. But theoretically speaking, yes, yeah, I can see why a lot of people jump to that. So I think a lot of the information out there is, you know, close to probably being right in some ways, but I think it's probably missing the mark. And then, yes, lacks that level of like personalization. Like I think when you look at PCOS, it's still very much an umbrella. Like there's a lot of variance within that. Um, and then even person to person, you know, you could have three, four, five different people with PCOS and insulin resistance, and they're going to have variation within that, per- like person to person as well, which is kind of going to shape how you approach things as well. Like, for example, if you had someone with, you know, insulin resistance and low thyroid function versus insulin resistance and endometriosis or insulin resistance and a binge eating disorder, the recommendations for each of those three different people is going to look slightly different. You're not going to recommend intermittent fasting for someone that's got binge eating disorder. That's just not appropriate. And I think that's probably where a lot of the kind of like conflicting information happens online that's my theory anyway (laughs) yeah um okay so November we started working together and um yeah what were kind of some of those initial things we started working on and I'd love to know like anything that really just surprised you of what we did yeah I think for me the first thing was the amount of knowledge that you helped me with so just to 
talking to me about what polycystic ovarian syndrome was, what was actually helping or happening in my body, um, and some of the things that you know you asked into. I mean, you looked at my environment, you looked at my history, uh, medical personal history, you looked at my job, you looked at you know everything really a really holistic kind of view. And I was really surprised that those could all be factors influencing how I was feeling. So that was really great. Um, yeah, that was my first yeah. initial. Um, thinking about you know all the information that there was and I think the support that you you got to kind of look into that specifically for me telling me you know how that's going to be affecting me and what kind of things we can start off with I think that was a really great starting point yeah I think a lot of people don't realize like the role that stress plays and even things like how many coffees you're drinking and all of that kind of thing like we jump a lot to food and food definitely has a big impact but often there's some really low-hanging fruits in those kind of like daily habits that we're doing as well yeah coffee was a big one for me <laughs> yeah yeah it is for a lot of people I think it's quite surprising um yeah when when we start digging into that um cool and we we did some testing and that kind of thing and um was that side of things like quite different to the sort of testing that you'd done with your GP? Mm, worlds apart, really. Um, the doctor really only got me to do like a really general um, yep. blood test. So you really had a look at, you know, what deficiencies there might be, what might be happening for my thyroid, for other um, energy-based um, mm-hmm. concerns as well. So you gave me and really helped me to get a list of things that I could kind of approach my doctor with. And I tell you what, it really was a bit of a struggle to get um, the doctors to kind of agree with these kind of um, tests, but I did have to push around that. It's the best thing that yeah. I did because it really gave me a clear picture of what was happening. And then we could work from there um, and get those supplements going and get that food recommendations and everything else sorted. Yeah. yeah. And then you've also got like clear benchmarks to work with as well. Like I think um, symptoms are obviously super helpful and they do give us a lot of clues as to, okay, well, you know, what might be going on. And, and I think, from what we know about PCOS, there's obviously some key areas we're always going to look into, like insulin and thyroid and those things. And when we can match those up with the symptoms that you're experiencing, it helps to explain things further. But then it also means that you can really see that progress that you're making, not just in how you're feeling, which can be, I think there's different people. Like some people, I think, um, can be too hard on themselves and they will be saying things like, like, I think I'm improving, but you know, I probably could be doing better with my food. And, um, they're a little bit like that. And then when you see their blood test results, you're like, you're doing amazing. Like, look at all this progress you've made. And then there are other people who are, um, you know, maybe a bit more fair about their progress than other people who are maybe a little bit more optimistic about the progress that they're making. Um, And so when you can get that repeat blood testing, I think it's just such a um, great way to objectively look at how things are changing and then make any tweaks um, Mm. based off that. Was that quite rewarding for you, getting repeat blood testing and kind of, yeah, seeing some of those changes you'd made? Absolutely. I mean, I could see some improvements in my day-to-day life, but seeing the actual statistics and those that data from the from the blood test was amazing because yeah. you don't know what's going on within your body. So to have those tests um, was really encouraging to see when things do improve. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and tell us, like, how are you feeling now versus kind of, yeah, when you started and what key things have you 
felt um, change within your symptoms? I think the, the biggest ones for, for me have been the energy levels um, and just my comfort in my body. So okay. when I first, before I started this all, I was really, really fatigued. So I would get to the point where uh, it would be three o'clock and I'm, I'm an office kind of job. So um, it's a lot of staring at the computer, not much getting up and down. It would get to three in the afternoon and I would be fighting to keep my eyes open. It'd be so bad. And then I'd get home and I would have a two hour nap just, just so I was so tired to actually keep going. Um, I don't really nap anymore, which is fantastic. Um, and I am able to get through the entire day without feeling like I'm going to hit my head on the, on the, on the desk. Yeah, yeah. So my, my energy levels have improved so much, which is just fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. It can be such a game changer because it obviously affects like everything else in your life. Just feeling more comfortable in my body. Um, so I don't really know how to describe it, but there was a heaviness before, like a, a feeling around my stomach, those kind of things, and just feeling uncomfortable in myself. But now I feel a bit lighter. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't really know how to explain it other than I feel a lot more comfortable every day. So, yeah. yeah, perfect. And the changes, like hard, easy, doable for people, what do you think? I think at the start um, it can be a little bit overwhelming because you do have so many things to kind of think about and incorporate. Um, but I have a really supportive partner as well. My husband's very supportive of that. So that was really easy to implement the food changes. It was right on board with those kind of things. And I think once you get into it, um, and it becomes that routine, it becomes easier. And I think the support that you gave me with just the foundation of, you know, what's going to be a helpful thing to eat, how you can put meals together, those yeah. kinds of suggestions that you've provided, that gave me the foundation when I was really, you know, when I had a tired day or get to the yeah. end of the week, I don't want to cook, those kinds of things. But I can put some things together from ingredients because yeah. I have my base knowledge. And I think once you get to that stage, it becomes much easier to to incorporate in your life yeah definitely and it's always going to feel hard at the start I think because your eating is something that you do well usually at least three times a day maybe more and now you're having to relearn how to do that in a different way and it can be very overwhelming because you're constantly thinking about it am I doing this right is this how it's meant to be is this the right Mm -hmm. amount of macronutrients or whatever it is that you're you know being asked to do um, and there are days when you don't get it right and it kind of doesn't matter because you're still um, moving forward. And I always say to clients, like, you know, you're always one meal away from being back on track. One meal away is like a little blip drop in the ocean and you can just move on from that. There's no point, like, feeling guilty about it. And I do think that, correct me if I'm wrong, but once you get to three, four, six months down the track, it's all a lot easier it's really probably that first, I think, one to three months where it's quite hard because it is, you know, you're doing a lot of uphill work, I guess. There's yeah. a lot of changes that you're working through initially. And mm-hmm. then once you do get on that right track and you're seeing, okay, my symptoms are changing, my blood tests are changing, I'm definitely on the right track. A, you get the kind of Um, direct feedback from your body and your bloods Mm -hmm. that what you're doing is working so you get that kind of motivation that you need to kind of go it's all worth it I'm going to keep going Um, but also you've had a few months of doing the things that it's kind of becoming your new normal over time yeah that's my thoughts anyway absolutely yeah yeah um so I guess for anyone listening that's kind of like at that point that you were 
really when you got diagnosed and even in that messy middle period where you're like, okay, I know I have PCOS, I've got the diagnosis and now I'm like trying to work all of this out. Like I guess what what advice would you give them? What would you say to that person? I think for me the best thing that I did was to reach out um, to yourself to get that help because having someone to kind of go through it with you and to kind of guide you around has been the best thing for me just to be able to have that plan to talk things through um to get something that's so tailored to you as well I think is really important so even though there's a lot of information out there um and it can be overwhelming I think if you can reach out and get some support to get that one-on-one I think that's incredible thing to do yeah yeah definitely um Amazing. Well, thanks so much for um, giving up your time today to talk to me, Rosie. I really, really appreciate it. And I also really appreciate, obviously, it's quite, um, what's the word, you know, you have to be quite brave, I guess, to also share your health history and a bit about your journey um, publicly as well. So thank you. I I really do appreciate that. Um, And yeah, just anything else you wanted to say or add to the conversation before we finish up? think just that it gets easier day by day I think it's just you know taking it day by day meal by meal even if that's how you're going to look at it I think it does it does get better yeah definitely and I think if you can commit to something even if it's for okay I'm going to do this for a month and use it as an experiment and kind of see what happens usually you'll I mean nine and a half times out of ten you're going to see some differences in how you're feeling rather than if it feels like an eternity to you know commit to it for a really long time having those kind of smaller benchmarks allows you to just keep moving forward and like you said just one meal at a time like even if that's all you start with is okay I'm going to change breakfast and I'm going to do that consistently for a month and then if that feels good I'll move on to the next thing Mm -hmm. um yeah breaking it down because it is really hard you're kind of needing to overhaul often a lot of different things um so it is going to feel hard at the start but correct me if I'm wrong I feel like it's totally worth it (laughs) yes absolutely worth it yeah (laughs) awesome well thanks so much Rosie I really appreciate it thanks for having me Before you go, a quick reminder that any information discussed on the PCOS podcast is general in nature, does not take into account your personal health circumstances, and of course, does not replace medical advice.